0: Um, frozen martin talked about frozen last week and the first film in the series and um, the thing is when you have such a smash hit like frozen um, what happens then a few years later you get the sequel it always happens these big films like that so martin talked through the the plot of frozen um, last week so um, I was looking this week at uh, thinking, let's give you a bit of a summary of Frozen Two. I've got I've got two daughters. They both love Frozen and Frozen Two, and they they watch them all the time. So I've seen them quite a few times. These films. Now, when it came to actually trying to summarise a plot for Frozen Two, I was actually stumped because it's quite a complicated plot. It's a it's a kids film. It's a family film, but there's quite a lot to it. So I'm going to simplify it right down. To the uh, the song that we've seen Lizzie sing there, um, I'm going to just ramp it right down instead because there's this part in Frozen 2, We've got the sisters Anna and Elsa, and Anna is very much she's the she's the optimistic one, she's the feisty one, she's the one who's always pushing things ahead. But it gets to this point with Anna, and they're on their their their, their quest, if you like, through the film, and it gets to the point where she thinks that Elsa has died. And she also thinks she's got a best friend who's a snowman called Olaf. And she thinks he's died as well. And she's at this point where she thinks there's no way they can protect their kingdom back at home. She's lost her sister. She's lost her friend. And she's just curled up in a ball. And she's singing this song. She's at the very depths of despair. Now, when the actor who who, who gives her voice to Anna, Kristen Bell, she said that when it came to actually performing this song, the director wanted her to actually be at the point of tears, to actually bring herself to tears, to actually force through the raw emotion of that song, because the director saw it as absolutely key to the film. Now, I think we've actually seen something there which actually gets the emotion of that song through, like probably without you having to go to tears, let he So there we go. Yeah. (laughs) But let's have a look at these words, at the song here. Um, Some of them anyway. So I'm not going to sing it. I'll just read these, okay? (laughs) Yeah. It says, this grief has a gravity. It pulls me down. But a tiny voice whispers in my mind, you are lost. Hope is gone. But you must go on and do the next right thing. Now, I'm not going to tell you what happens with this, because if you want to go and see the film, I'm not going to tell you what happens with it, but it's well worth a watch. I want to move a little bit from Frozen, though, to actually looking at Mary and Joseph. So it's a bit of a jump there, a bit of a jump, but... Let's try and look at, yeah, we've got Elsa, Mary, Joseph, Anna, they're all mixed up with this, aren't they? But a bit of a jump. But anyway, let's look at Mary and Joseph and think of their situation. Because the thing is, we know the Christmas story really well, don't we? Because we we see it in the nativities each year, we hear the story read, we, we sing the songs, so we know the words there, it, it sort of trips off our tongues, it's in our thoughts, we've we just know the Christmas story know everything about it, don't we? And you hear the readings, and you could probably recite the readings that you hear because we know the words, don't we? And we, we go back to the prophecy in Isaiah and we read about that, and then we read all the verses in the Gospels, and we know them and everything. My first challenge for everyone here today, we're what 11th of December today, two weeks to Christmas Day. This year, try and learn something new about the Christmas story something that strikes you about the Christmas story that you've never thought of before. That's my challenge to everyone. So I've heard it before that actually when it comes around every year, the Christmas story, there's something that we can all learn that's just a bit different that maybe we haven't thought about before. So that's my challenge to you this morning. I think it's a bit, I think it's important to actually try and Delve a bit deeper into the reality of the situation of Mary and Joseph at the time, though. Because even though we believe Mary and Joseph were real, perhaps subconsciously we have this thought in our mind that they're actually just mythical characters in this story that we hear about once a year. They're just characters in this story that we know so well. But try and picture them as proper people, real human beings. And that might sound obvious, but try and really picture them as real human beings who lived 2,000 years ago where they did. Because to me, it helps bring home the reality and the beauty and the magnitude of the Christmas story. I just want to read a passage from Luke. Bearing this in mind as I read it as well, trying to think of these these people as real living people. Uh, So it's Luke chapter 1, Verses 26 to 38. I didn't tell Susanna till halfway through the service what the verses were going to be today, so thank you, Susanna. Uh, let's just read this. So it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. I'll read it from here, actually. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her six months. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Now I've read those verses so many times and heard those verses read so many times. But if you try and look at it in a bit of a different light, it brings home to me, actually, how Mary must have been feeling at that time. So the version we've said there talks about greatly troubled, it's the NIV version. The NLT version uses the words confused and disturbed. If you just take a minute just to think of what those words mean. Troubled, confused, disturbed, they're quite powerful emotions that Mary was feeling. And you probably would be feeling those, wouldn't you? You would probably be feeling that. I wonder how Mary was feeling after Gabriel had said this to her. So we know that she was feeling troubled, confused, disturbed at the beginning with this. Gabriel then says this pretty momentous message to her. And we can see, which we'll look at in a minute, her response to that. But how was she feeling at the time? I'd like to think she was probably feeling quite scared, quite overwhelmed, quite troubled, shocked, stunned. Can you imagine the questions that she wanted to ask at that moment? Will I actually be pregnant? Will that really happen? Where am I going to have the baby? What's this baby going to be like? What am I supposed to tell him? How on earth do I bring him up? And probably, I'd imagine, the biggest question she's got at that moment, how on earth do I tell Joseph? Happy Christmas, Mary. There we go. So let's have a look at Joseph now as well from uh, Matthew 1, 18 to 25. So this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, I think from reading these verses, we could deduce that Joseph is a good man. In the NLT version, it actually calls him righteous. He's a a good man. But again, you can only imagine what he's feeling on hearing about Mary's pregnancy. I wonder if it was Mary that told him and what his reaction was to that. Because in his mind, he's probably thinking, well, it's quite obvious what's happened here with this lady that I'm due to be marrying. But even before the angel comes to Joseph, he's actually thinking in his mind, even though this has happened, I want to do the right thing with this. I don't want to expose her publicly. I don't want to shame her. Actually, it's probably best if we just part ways. She goes one way, I go the other, and we just leave it at that. Which I think probably sounds fair. In many ways, he's actually gone beyond the call of duty at that point. And then suddenly it's like, bang, everything changes for him because the angel explains things to him and we see that he actually goes on to do what the angel has said. He marries Mary and becomes an earthly father to Jesus. But I think there's blanks here to fill in as well with this. We know Joseph's Joseph's obedience and we know he does what's asked of him, but we don't know exactly how he's feeling at that moment. It gives us a bit of a clue about Mary. As we saw, didn't we, the words troubled, confused, disturbed. We don't know how Joseph's feeling. Because he's preparing to move on this direction in his life. And then suddenly, he's preparing to bring up a child that isn't even his. How does he start explaining that to everyone else? Happy Christmas, Joseph. Because you see, if you think about it, the commitment that Mary and Joseph offer to God through this is immense. They must be worrying about the relationship that they're having with the rest of their family, what their friends are going to be thinking, what their reputation throughout the whole community is going to be, and they're also looking ahead to this commitment to raise a child, and from the sounds of it, it's not just going to be any child either. They would have had some idea of the prophecies and around the Messiah coming, and you know they would have had some knowledge around that and, and, and what that might entail, but. How much is that for them to get their heads around at this stage? On top of everything else, they then have to travel to Bethlehem. I went to see my daughter Bethany's Christmas play this past week, and uh, there there was a bit in the play where Mary, she sort of comes to the front of the stage like this, she's limping, she's holding her back, she's going, oh, my back hurts, like this. And then the boy who's playing the donkey, he comes forward to the front of the stage and goes, oh, my back hurts, to emphasize it even more. Now, there's actually no mention of a donkey in the Bible. I didn't know that. But there we go, there's no mention of a donkey in the Bible, so we can only speculate whether Mary was actually on a donkey or not. But they're in Bethlehem, and the birth of Jesus is not glamorous. It's not how we see on the Christmas cards and the nativity scenes at all. There's not this beautiful, bright, shining stable with shining stars all above it, halo of light, there's golden hay adorning throughout it. It's probably a cave, a small, dark, damp, smelly cave, and it's got animals in, it's got animal droppings in. And when the baby's born, the only place they can place this baby is in a feeding trough where the animals eat from. I wonder if that point if Mary and Joseph are actually wondering if it's all worth it. What a situation to be in. Because their story is actually such a, a classic example of simply trying to do the next right thing. Because they had no idea how things were going to pan out. They had no idea what things were going to be like over their coming years or the coming months, even the coming days with everything. But they just chose through their fear and uncertainty and worry just to trust God and take it one step at a time. And it's really important that we see that vulnerable side of Mary and Joseph. And we don't see them as some supernatural, mythical people but see them as real people with vulnerabilities that we can relate to human beings just like us because we naturally want to have clarity in our lives we want to see where things are going how things are going to end up but actually just like Mary and Joseph it's those small faithful consistent steps that bring us to the place that God wants us to be in Does actually the need, our need for clarity, actually hold us back a bit with things? Do we want to try and see the bigger picture before we can take those small steps forward? Because our faith is the critical thing here, and when I say faith, I, I mean the literal meaning of faith, of believing in something that we can't see. Because trusting God when we can't see the bigger picture and can't see the way ahead is fundamental in our relationship with him. And one of the one of the most memorable books I've ever read is um, Across the Switchblade, which talks. Um, it details a small town preacher from America who goes to New York to work with the the gangs there, and um, it, it's an amazing story. Big big book recommendation. Um, Part of the way through the story, um, they set up like a home which is used to house the the gang members, the drug addicts, and it's supposed to be a safe place for them to be in. Um, And they have running costs for this place. And every day, a certain amount of money turns up at this house to meet their running costs. And it meets their running costs to the penny, the absolute penny. They've got no idea where this money comes from. And the money varies from day to day. Some days, there'll be more money that will come. And that day, there'll be like an unexpected bill that's a bit higher, and it meets their costs. Now, I'll say they didn't know where the money came from. They did know where the money came from. The money was provided by God, ultimately. And I wonder how they felt at that moment. Wouldn't they just like a big lump sum to keep going for the next two years? But actually, they learned to trust daily those small steps which led to so much much, uh, fruit there. If we go back to Anna, curled up on the floor, uttering the words of the song in anguish, no idea where things are going. She's overcome with grief. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're actually feeling a little bit like that. Maybe you're not feeling quite like that at the moment. Maybe there's a big decision maybe you've got to make in your life. Maybe you're feeling a bit unfulfilled, lacking in direction. Maybe you don't know much about this Jesus that offers hope. Maybe you do know Jesus, but you actually feel far from him. Maybe things are going really well for you, and you just want to be a little bit braver in your faith because that message still stands for everybody, whatever their circumstances are, that it's about just doing the next right thing and taking that next small step. So there's a very famous scene from an Indiana Jones film, which came to my mind immediately, thinking about this, taking the next step. Um, and he's come to this um, great like chasm. It's part of the quest he's got for the Holy Grail. And he's come to this big chasm and it just like yawns in front of him. And he has to take, I think it's literally called like a step of faith out into this. So he literally has to sort of put his foot out right into this gap. And as he does that, this bridge appears beneath his feet and he's able to walk across. But of course, the big thing there is he has to take that first step of faith. So I'd urge everyone here just to think about it, to think about what it means to do the next right thing. Talk to God. Ask him to help you. Talk to people here. It's the great thing about being part of a church that we're part of a journey together. Because the church is not full of perfect people who have it all together, that know everything. It's full of people who are still trying to learn, still trying to figure a lot of things out, one step at a time. So let me just read this quote again to finish here. This grief has a gravity. It pulls me down. But a tiny voice whispers in my mind. You are lost. Hope is gone. But you must go on and do the next right thing. (laughs) Have you learned something new about the Christmas story this year? If not, how can you look at it a bit differently to normal? What situations do you find yourself in where it is hard to simply do the next right thing? What can you resolve to do differently to improve those small, consistent, faithful steps with God?